Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Off The Bench. A big good afternoon and welcome to Off The Bench right around the southwest with Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron, it's great to have you with us for the next two hours or so as we go through everything happening in the world of sport. Paul Hazelby, a big good afternoon to you. A big good afternoon to you, Ben Cameron. Great to be here. Looking forward to a big Friday afternoon show. We love our Friday drive homes. Get involved. Plenty to talk about the world of sport. It has erupted over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we've got a heap to get through. All of the AFL team news is coming up. Scott Waters to join us, a man who knows both of our West Australian teams really well. He was a senior coach at St Kilda. Things supposedly set to explode there in the uh, in the uh, aftermath of their season when it finally ends. A lot of news surrounding the Davis Cup in tennis. Uh, we'll have the dig for you, the Eagle Eye, the Freo Focus, uh, the EPL and lots of other sport rolling on as well. Joe Giorgiardi's to talk a little bit of country footy and our weighted tipping game as well. So uh, we'll get through a lot in the next two hours or so, Hayes, but... One thing we do like to do here on Off The Bench, you start with a big call and you can get us started here today. I'm going with two big calls. The first one's tonight. It's the Bombers. I know Richmond have got some injury concerns, so it's not such a big call. But I think in the context of their season, they need to be winning tonight and they get every chance. They do lose Fantasia, their most important player, I believe, but they've still got enough to cover Richmond tonight. That will be the first upset of the round. And the other one, the other contender that needs a win is Melbourne. I give them a real chance Mm. to come to the West and take the points from the West Coast Eagles. I just feel the West Coast Eagles have been up emotionally the last two weeks. The big derby, the fallout from the derby, the big after the siren win against Port Adelaide last week. Melbourne, backs against the wall. They need a win. I think they're going to come here and win. You flattened me because those were going to be my two big calls, hey? So I really do think that Melbourne will come here, and it is a big call. People might say it's not, but it is because they haven't beaten a side in the top eight this year. And uh, Essendon, if they were to beat Richmond tonight, it would be a big deal because of Richmond's recent run. So uh, uh, those are two big calls, and I'm in agreement with you. How did you go last week with your big call? We've got to go back and revise and have a look at it. Mine was around the Carlton Football Club and the Dockers. I said at some stage, late in the third, early in the last quarter, they would be contenders. Did they get that far? I think they got blown off the park in the first 10 minutes of the third quarter. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that was quite right. But they were competitive enough. I, Funnily enough, I can't remember what my big call was. I'll have to go back and revisit that and see whether it, it came. Oh, I do remember, in fact, it was that an Aussie would ride the, ride the wave of emotion and win the PGA mm, Championship after quite. the passing of Jared Lyle. Well, Adam Scott finished third, only three back, so I reckon close enough. We'll pay mine. You've got high standards, haven't you? <laughs> well, it was, uh, it was a long... It was, uh, it's pretty hard to win a major in golf, so Adam Scott was around the mark. I did have a, a bad day yesterday, Hayes. And Horrible day. I had a, We worked together during the week, and I just had one of those days where anything I touched just <laughs> went wrong. It just wouldn't work out for me. It got me thinking about how you know in sporting terms when you're having a bad day. How, do you, how did you know in footy when you were just having a day where things just weren't going right? When I got a sore neck in the first quarter, the ball just kept going into the goals at the <laughs> other end. It happened a fair bit throughout my career. 
Um, you know, when you start a game poorly, you want to get an early touch. Sometimes you don't get that early touch and you fumble and miss things. So that has a big impact. But uh, you did have a nightmare day yesterday. Well, I think of it in this term, for whatever reason, when you're at cricket and things aren't going your way, you might be fielding it mid-off, there's a bloke at cover, and the guy hits a drive between the two of you, and you're going to chop it off at mid-off, but you're behind the man at cover, and he gets a hand on it and knocks it away from you, and it ends up going for two. That was the kind of day... I had yesterday. Hopefully it improves today. AFL Teams is coming up next here on Off The Bench. Great to have you with us. You're listening to Off The Bench. Scott Waters not too far away from joining us to talk about our two West Australian teams as well as St Kilda and some of the boardroom issues that are going on there at the Saints. But right now what we like to do is go through all of the AFL team news Paul Hazelby, you've got them in front of you. Absolutely. Tigers taking on the Bombers tonight. Liam Baker, Reese Conker, Ryan Garthwaite, Sam Lloyd, Toby Nankervis all come into the team. Out. Some big outs here. Ben Cameron, David Asprey, Trent Cotchin, Kane Lambert out with that ankle, Dion Prestia and Ivan Soldo. They all go out of the side. And for the Bombers, Matt D and also Matt Guelphy come in. Out goes Orazio Fantasia. That's a big out. And Ben McNeese is also injured. In the game between Collingwood and Port Adelaide, no change for the Collingwood Football Club. That is a good sign at this time of the season. Port Adelaide, Riley Bonner comes in. Jack Homps returns. Out goes Tom Cleary and Charlie Dixon. A massive out there for Port Adelaide. Potentially their finals chances just about to finish. I must admit, I, I see a lot of Port Adelaide. I commentate their games, go over there and do them, Hayes. And a, a few people were saying that no Charlie Dixon, no Port Adelaide. They can't win it without him. They couldn't win it with him. They're not good enough this year. Their skills aren't good enough. And uh, I don't think they're tough enough or, or good enough in the big moments. You're all over it there, Ben Cameron. The Cats, they take on the Dockers down there at the category. In comes Abbott, Jordan Murdoch, Harry Taylor returns. That's a big one at this time of the year for the Cats. Jackson Thurlow, out goes Fogarty, Quinton Narkle, James Parsons and Reese Stanley injured again. For the Dockers, Bailey Banfield and Nat Fife return. Out goes Luke Ryan with a hamstring. And the debutant last week, Sam Switzkowski goes out. He is also injured. The Cats should win by a fair bit here. Yeah, he goes out because Nat Fife and others come back in, but I thought he was serviceable enough, uh, Switkowski. I, I thought he looked okay last week on debut. Do you agree? I do. He started very well. His pressure was good. It does say here he's injured, so it doesn't say okay. omitted. So not so omitted. We don't know what's happened with him. The Giants, they take on the Sydney Swans. This is massive for both teams. For the Giants, Finlayson, Lloyd and Perryman come in. Out goes Josh Kelly, still with concussion. Sam Reid and Heath Shaw gone for the year, so some big outs there for the GWS side. For Sydney, Zach Jones and Daniel Robinson come in. Out, Alex Johnson tragically goes out. He's sixth knee reconstruction. And Nick Smith, a big out, could be out for a few weeks as well there for the Sydney Swans. The Saints, they take on the Hawks. Logan Austin and Hugh Goddard come in. Out, Nathan Brown with that suspension. Nathan Freeman has been omitted. This is just another one of those decisions from St Kilda that I don't get. He was showing some good promise. The team needs new players coming in, and all of a sudden he finds himself omitted. Yeah, can you make sense of that for me? I, I, well, I know you can't, but I, I wonder whether somebody can because I've really liked what he brought. I watched their game the other mm. week and he, he kicked a goal and he looked fantastic and he's gone through so much to get back. He is, well, exactly what they need. 
and omitted. Yeah, strange. They need some young talent coming into that team, and he showed promise. For the Hawks, Connor Glass comes back in. Ben McAvoy, that's a big in at this time of year for the Hawks. Jonathan Segler goes out, and Ricky Henderson, the other one. Gold Coast taking on the Brisbane Lions, the Q clash, a lot of interest around Nick this. Nick Robert, Robertson's uh, just Ooh. lit a fuse beneath this clash, hasn't we'll he? We'll talk about that a little bit later. But Michael Barlow returns. Finally, he's been given an opportunity. Jacob Heron, Sean Lemons, and Brad Shear. Out goes Will Brody, Pierce Hanley, Cade Collagesny, and Will Powell. Not much to like about Pierce Hanley's time mm. at the Gold Coast Suns. He was a good player at the Brisbane Lions, I thought. For the Lions, Zach Bailey comes in. Darcy Gardner is the player that goes out injured. On Sunday, squads at this stage, it's Carlton taking on the Western Bulldogs. Tom D. Koning, Harrison McCready, Aaron Mullett, Angus Schumacher, and Jacob Wiedering all come in. Out goes Nick Graham, who was pretty good last week. For the Bulldogs, Tim English, Mitch Honeychurch, Callum Porter, Easton Wood, Lewis Young. They all come into the squad. Zane Cordy goes out. The Eagles taking on Melbourne. Matthew Allen, Jackson Nelson, Jake Waterman, Francis Watson all in. Nobody out of their squad at this stage. And for Melbourne, Hannon, Hibbard, Kent, Melksham, Wagner, Wiedemann all in. Jesse Hogan, the big one out there for Melbourne with Jaden Hunt. And the Crows take on North Melbourne to finish the round. Himmelberg, Kelly, Knight, Mitch McGovern, Paul Seedsman all in. Taylor Walker goes out. That's suspension. And for North, Davis Uniaki, Rovat, Mackay and Declan Manfield come in for the squad. I think it's Mountford, but uh, good job, Hayes. Uh, We'll get to a break on the other side of it. Scott Waters to join us. You're listening to Off the Bench. You certainly are on this Friday afternoon. Paul Hayes will be the Fremantle Dockers champion and myself, Ben Cameron and Paul. Some big news during the week surrounding the St Kilda Football Club. Uh, Talks of unrest at board level. Caroline Wilson reporting in Melbourne that... Well, the turmoil is set to explode at season's end, and I thought we might have a chat to a man who knows that footy club very, very well as a former coach. He also knows our two West Australian clubs and is the host of Footy WA. His name is Scott Waters, and he joins us on Off the Bench. G'day, Scott. Ben Hayes, how are you? What did you make of the news from Caroline Wilson that things could explode at board level at St Kilda at the end of this season? Uh, look, look, in all honesty, there's not much of Caroline's stuff that is actually probably worth reading in the first place. But um, um, there is certainly, you know, enormous unrest at the footy club. You know, the last thing that I want to do is get on here and, and, and kick the club when they're, um, <clears throat> when they're where they're at. But, but ultimately, at some point, the club, over a long period of time, really needs to address why the same issues continue to occur um, and, and really, like you can have as many five-year plans as you like, but five-year plans mean nothing unless you actually find a reason why the same mediocrity exists. Um, so hopefully this time they really dig get to the root of the cause, and, and the cause generally does start right at the top. Do you have an understanding of what that cause is? Do you want to go into more detail about what you think needs to change for St Kilda to challenge again? Look, I think every successful club, and this is not specifically about six, uh, about St Kilda, but you, you need to continually address um, the fundamentals of what your football club looks like, and that's your president, that's your board, that's your CEO, that's your head of football, and then it's your leadership group from a playing point of view. Um, and again, I, I don't think St Kilda supporters could actually look at the club over a long period of time and say that, They've actually got those appointments right. Um, you know, Rod, Rod Butters, Greg Westaway and Peter Summers, if you actually assess their performance as presidents of a football club, um, 
probably probably none of them have really had outstanding tenures. Um, and it starts at the top, and, and ultimately the board, the board and president. And I mean, it looks like a president will change again now, but the board in particular have been many on that board have been there for a long period of time through a period of poor decision making. Um, when a, when a board is finally held accountable. Um, that accountability can flow through the whole football club. That hasn't happened at St Kilda for a long time. Scott Waters, the former St Kilda coach, with us here on Off the Bench, and we'll continue this chat a little bit later on. So, Scott Waters, to stick with us when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about St Kilda and also take a look at the two West Australian teams here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we're continuing our chat with Scott Waters, the former Fremantle Docker, West Coast Eagle and St Kilda senior coach. Scott, one of the things that intrigues me is about whether it's recruiting, whether it's player development that is going wrong with St Kilda. You have an intimate knowledge of the club. What's your opinion on what's going on with some of the Saints youngsters? I, I think it's really easy to, to, to take or I guess analyse small parts of the club, be it recruiting, be it development, be it coaching, um, etc. You've, you've got to still look at it in its entirety. Um, so high performance in every sector of a football club is it's like any sector of a business. Um, it starts with direction and focus and leadership at the top. So it's the agenda that is set by your president and your board and then flows through to your executive team. There's never really been, or I can certainly say in my time, the focus wasn't on elite performance from a football point of view. Um, there was realistically probably more focus into the New Zealand experiment. Uh, there were political appointments made, um, and it was about repairing the brand. There'd been a lot of lot of damage done to the brand of St Kilda with, um, you know, criminal cases that were hovering over the club at the time, and you know, schoolgirl incidences, etc., etc., etc. So it was more about repairing brand rather than being a high performance unit as far as recruiting goes, and then development. There's certainly players on that list now that are not performing to their maximum. Um, so I, I think partly recruiting, partly development, but overall high performance, it starts, the focus from that starts at the top of the tree. There are some strange selection decisions, I must admit, over the last couple of weeks in particular. Caulfield and Clark left out, and also Nathan Freeman, who came in after a lot of injury concerns, showed some promise. He's out the door. But we've got to move on. What about the Fremantle Dockers? You were the vice-captain there way back when they first started. How do you see them tracking into the future? Well, look, I think it's a really interesting time for Fremantle. Um, you know, we're seeing, even though the results are very similar to, to, to last year, I think the, the, the positive has been just some of the newer faces that have been exposed. I think we've had you know eight or nine debutants um, so far over the season, and, and there's some real positivity just around around that youth. Hey, the big the big question mark for me uh, hasn't changed over, I guess Ross Lyon's tenure. It's whether they actually have the capacity to develop an offensive ball movement strategy that is competitive. And that's always been the question mark that's surrounded, I guess, has surrounded Ross's um, strategic uh, expertise. And there's so no sign of that yet, that. is there, Scotty? No. I, I, look, I, I thought there was probably around three or four where we saw some glimpses of some aggressive ball movement. Outside of that, you know, we've got a side that still struggles to kick 60 points in a game of footy. And, and that, to me, is not about the talent. There's enough talent there to be 
more um, certainly more positive in the in the offensive side of the game, and it, that that still hasn't appeared. So on a positive side, we're seeing some youth get exposed. I guess the, the real question mark is whether or not we can actually see a Fremantle side that is a balanced side, both defensively and offensively. And history shows that that hasn't been the case with Ross. Scott, really appreciate your time here on Off the Bench. Uh, we know that you're doing some great work with a, a charity over there in Melbourne and have some meetings to get to. So thanks for coming on and having a chat to us. Good on you, boys. Anytime. There you have it. Uh, Scott Waters from over in Melbourne. You'll see him on Footy WA on Sunday morning. When we come back here on Off the Bench, we'll find out what on earth is going on with the Davis Cup as they change the tournament format. Courtney Walsh from The Australian to join us here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. And one of the big stories this week, Paul Hazelby, has undoubtedly been the future of the Davis Cup. A change has been voted through overnight. And uh, the Davis Cup, as we know it, will cease to exist. A radical change to the format of how the great competition will be played. And I thought we should really get someone on who knows much more about it than us. And his name is Courtney Walsh, the tennis writer at The Australian. And he joins us on Off the Bench. G'day, Courtney. Yeah, g'day, uh, Ben and Paul. That's a very generous introduction. <laughs> Can you please put it into layman's terms for us? What have they done with the uh, the change to the format of the Davis Cup? I think you put it best from an Australian perspective, or certainly Australian fans. They've, uh, they've killed the concept that, I suppose, Australians have loved over 118 years. So they've effectively done away with a lot of the home and away ties, it will still be an element of that and instead tried to turn it into a World Cup-style event to be held every November. Uh, we'll have 18 nations competing over best of three sets, three rubbers. So a lot of the you know, best of five sets, the tension and the drama over three days, the home and away nature, a lot of that's been eroded, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, done over by the uh, change overnight. We love the Davis Cup and we're very passionate about it here in Australia, but does the change suggest that part of it wasn't working internationally? Look, I certainly think there are elements of truth to that. Uh, there's been some, I suppose, concern about the the wavering commitment of the top players. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily truthful to say they haven't played. Nadal was a member of four Spanish winning teams, Federer played until he won one in his mid-30s. Murray played until he was able to get Great Britain over the line. So, But they weren't playing, I suppose, regularly enough. That was one of the criticisms. There was also some concerns about the fact that if you were in a winning team, you were effectively devoting four weeks additionally to your year. So you're playing all the way up to late November in a winning team. And it's a really busy pack schedule that you know takes place around the world. It may sound glamorous, but... If you're travelling for 30-odd weeks and then trying to keep yourself fit in between, you know, gym sessions, etc., and then, you know, you need to spend some time with your family, it's, it's not that easy a deal. They can make a lot of money at the very top. And so some, some of those best players were opting to skip out probably a little bit in the last few years, but that's not to say they didn't play. So, look, there are some concerns. The, in America, in particular, it probably faded a little bit of relevance. But I think in Australia and certainly through Europe, it was particularly strong still. Courtney, what's been the reaction today from uh, players involved in tennis and some of the past greats as well? 
Look, I've sort of had uh, already, I mean, I spoke at length to Leighton Hewitt earlier in the year, who was uh, really leading the rally in charge. I just spoke to his manager today, who, uh, well, he says he'll be beside himself. Uh, we've seen Pat Cash, uh, you know, particularly upset and thinking that it's a foolish decision. Uh, a lot of the French players have slammed it. Uh, you know, John Millman, well, basically, the, the one of the investment bankers leading, or the investment groups leading the charge was backed by Barcelona soccer great Jared Piquet. And he spoke at the annual general general meeting in Florida overnight. Now, Millman has put it that it'd be like Roger Federer going to the Champions League forum and addressing the forum and saying, this is why soccer needs to change, (laughs) and then winning. So it's, look, there's a lot of murky elements. There's a lot of backs, I think, that have been scratched to get this over the line. Uh, you know, poor countries and developing countries and good luck to them. But they're saying, well, it's, it gives us an additional $10 million over five years or three years. That's money we wouldn't have had. And so, you know, you can see why they've voted for us. But the uh, the bigger countries that, you know, clearly built the competition like Australia, uh, it's a, it, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a tragedy for them. Courtney, really appreciate your time here on Off the Bench this morning. Thanks for uh, explaining some of the nuances of how this got through to us. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Pleasure, guys. Take care. Courtney Walsh there, the Australian tennis writer. Uh, More to come next. We've got the dig here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. And Paul Hazelby's favourite segment here on Off the Bench is the dig. Of course, dial before you dig the essential first step. When you're digging a hole, and Paul Hazelby always digs himself into a hole here on Off the Bench. Who do you want to have a dig at, Paul? Well, this lady, she dug herself into a hole. Now, I don't know if you heard, but there was a press conference that took place at the Gold Coast Suns with Stuart Jew, and he was asked by a female journalist around the departure of Tom Lynch and Stephen May. And as she said that, she was actually making reference to the Titans. Now, of Mm. course, those that don't understand rugby league over there in Queensland, it's the Gold Coast Titans, not the Gold Coast Suns. And I think we have a situation up there where a lot of the journalists aren't fully across the AFL environment. And she was asking about the departure of May and Tom Lynch and referenced the Gold Coast Titans as the team that they were leaving. Yeah, a couple of things here. And I maybe have some sympathy for the journo because my peer, if you will, uh, it might have just been a, a Freudian slip, Paul. She might have just she knew that she was at the Suns press conference, but she just said the Titans. She might have been tired, having a bad day. I've got sympathy for that after my day yesterday, uh, and probably most days here on off the bench. But yeah, maybe just the the wrong word came out. She knew about Stephen May and and also Tom Lynch. So I think she knew enough. She might have just said the wrong word. And you think that's a good thing that she was at the press conference and it's showing that there are more and more people coming to try and promote the game of AFL on the Gold Coast? Well, yeah, I mean, it is a little bit disappointing. She she probably should get it right, but I don't think it's a a hanging offence either. And I think Stewie Jew handled it really well because in other markets, the coach might have whacked her and that, that might be okay in those markets. But on the Gold Coast, they need every journalist to come to the their press conference so they've got more chance of being on the local TV, more exposure for their sponsors, more chance of people coming to their clinics, knowing the players, investing in the stories of those players, and then going to the games at Metricon. So I thought Stewie handled it with, with real class and dignity and wisdom as well. So it's like you going to the Perth Wildcats at a press conference and referring to the Perth Glory as that team. Yeah, don't I don't think I would do it, Paul. I, I, <laughs> Don't say it like that. You might have done it yesterday. 
He oh, had a I, real bad day I yesterday. I had a very bad day. Anyway, yesterday. you got a dig? My dig is towards the Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm sick of hearing all of the big rhetoric surrounding Port Adelaide and uh, how they're going to show us how tough they are, what they're going to do, and uh, also Ken Hinckley in the aftermath, speaking about the ball coming off the post and how it could cost them their season. Ken, you cost yourselves your season. You shouldn't have lost that game. You shouldn't have lost to the West Coast Eagles the week just gone. They continually wet the bed like they did in the prelim final. Sorry, not the prelim. The elimination final against the West Coast Eagles last year. No team does it better than Port Adelaide wetting the bed. And they continue to do it. They continue to talk a big game. And I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. Put up or shut up, Port Adelaide. Good call. They could miss the eight, and mm. that would be disappointing given the recruiting strategy that they went on last year. Got three or four big names into their football club, and I know Koshy won't be happy with what's going on with Ken Hinckley. How many more years does he have remaining? He's got another four after this. Is that right? So you have to say he's pretty safe. But clearly there's a bit of pressure from the top just by the way he he is coming out after his losses. Yeah, there is a, a few, or there are a few rumours of tension between that those two as well. Uh, still to come in the second hour, we're done for the first hour here on Off the Bench, but the Eagle Eye, Paul Hazelby, will run his eye over the West Coast Eagles, a Freo focus, lots of other sport, the EPL, lots of cricket news. We'll take a look at uh, the local footy in the southwest and our weighted tipping game as well, so don't go anywhere. An hour to come here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. And the second hour of Off the Bench on your Friday Arvo is coming at you. Paul Hazelby, the Fremantle Dockers champion, and myself, Ben Cameron, will run the rule over the West Coast Eagles as well as the Fremantle Dockers in this hour. We'll take a look at some of the other sports. Some big news for basketball today. Uh, Some big news out of the Fremantle Dockers. EPL has started. We'll take a look at the local footy and our weighted tipping game as we preview the weekend as well. But let's get stuck into the eagle eye, Paul Hazelby. And we both started with our big call today that we think the West Coast Eagles will go down to Melbourne this weekend. And now's your opportunity to be a little more expansive. Why do you think so? I still think they're legitimate contenders to win the premiership this year. But I just no think chance. this week... No, oh, West still, Coast. West Coast, Sorry, absolutely. No, no, not Melbourne. I think West Coast. But this week, I just think, given the emotional two weeks that they've had, the injury concerns, they did cover Gaff on the weekend. Dom Sheed was very good. And Luke Shuey stood up. He's the one that hasn't had a big year through the midfield. So if they can get a big September out of him, that's going to put them in a very good position for the grand final if they go that far. Archie was pretty important. He came in, played a role. He's going to play probably closer to goal this week as a full forward, given the absence of Josh Kennedy still. That's still the big key for the West Coast Eagles. Can they get him back fit and firing? He will return, I believe, next week against the Brisbane Lions. Depending on what the Eagles do this week, whether they win or lose, will perhaps determine what they do next week. We've Mm. seen Richmond rest a few of their players. I know they've said they're injured, but I've got no doubt they're resting a few, getting them right for the finals in terms of Melbourne, I just think they've got the attacking flair. They're the highest scoring team in the competition alongside Richmond. They have come here in the past and challenged West Coast. They haven't got the results, but they have looked dangerous when they've been here. They are a team that I think goes better without much expectation. They're probably not expected to win this week. And Jesse well, that Hogan's... hasn't held true this year when they've taken on the top eight sides, but I, I agree with what you're saying. No, exactly. That The expectation has been that oh, they have yeah, to try and beat right. the top yeah. eight. This week they go in with most pundits believe that they're no 
chance this week, but I do believe they're a chance because of that attacking flair and the fact that the West Coast Eagles have been up for a couple of weeks now. I know the Eagles will be trying to win to cement that top two spot so they can rest a few players next week. But Particularly it's be given contest. they go to Brisbane, the West Coast Eagles. So it, it is a real chance if they can win this week to maybe not send them, but then it becomes a little bit of mm. a predicament with then you've got the bye. It's, it's quite tricky nowadays and... The big concern for me for the Eagles is getting Josh Kennedy back. Now, not only because they need him back in the player that he is, but because if they don't get him back next week, then all of a sudden he can't play the week after, and then he'll come in cold into a qualifying final. If they win that, they've got another week off, and then just a prelim in a grand final, and he could find himself severely underdone in a grand final or a preliminary final for the West Coast Eagles? The good thing is they don't rely on him now. I think they've got enough coverage. They have a good small forward line, and they've also got Jack Darling, who's showing some signs that he is getting back to his best. A little bit quiet last week, but I was impressed with what he did against the Fremantle Dockers. So that's the big challenge. Scott Lysett continues to hold up, and the combination with Nathan Vardy, we talked a lot about Nat Nui, but I don't think they've missed too much there. Their clearance work has been very good, and his possession numbers are a lot better than that of Nat Nui. The whispers continue to grow that Scott Lysett is likely to head back to Adelaide and that he won't be a part of the West Coast Eagles ne- next year. Do you have a, a gut feel on it? I, I get the sense that he's leaving. I get the sense that maybe they're both leaving. And mm. this is not a good sign for the West Coast Eagles. I do not understand it given where they are at with their ladder position and what they could do in the next couple of years. They rarely lose big name players. They lost Chris Judd, but two in one year, that would hurt the West Coast Eagles. I guess someone has to get squeezed when the big money goes to a lot of different places. So a few guys maybe just, uh, just get squeezed out, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we'll take a break here on Off the Bench and come back with the Frio Focus. Some good news out of the Dockers today. You're listening to Off the Bench. And time for Paul Hazelby to get stuck into his old side. And there is some good news coming out of Fremantle this morning, Paul Hazelby. Hayden Ballantyne and also Harley Bennell have re-signed for one more season at the Fremantle Football Clubs. I must admit, I'm a little bit surprised that... Valentine is going on next year. I, I just thought that over the past 18 months, there's been a little bit of a decline. I'm happy enough for Fremantle to persist with Benel. I think uh, maybe a lower end deal and hopefully he can get himself right finally. But Valentine's a surprise for me. Do you agree? I agree. Given his age and his form, I don't think he's done enough to warrant that. But I will say, I think the reason that he has got a position is the lack of leadership, but also their list demographic. They got rid of a lot of players last year, and there's a lot to get rid of this year. I think there's probably 10 to 12 changes that will happen again. So I think they're playing it on the safe side. We might as well keep a player who we know what we're going to get. We're going to get some leadership and some pressure. Who are some of the names? In terms of who's going to go? Mm. Well, you look through their list in terms of... I, I immediately think of guys like Sheridan, Sutcliffe, uh, have probably reached the end of their journey. Maybe someone like a Brady Gray. And it's it's never comfortable speaking about guys whose uh, careers are essentially going to be challenged or come to the end. But they're three names that jump off the page for me. Yeah, absolutely. Gray's one of them. Stranatic is still out of contact. Ethan Hughes is another one that might seek some opportunity elsewhere. You mentioned Sheridan and Sutcliffe. And then you've got Johnson, you've got Pierce, you've got Spur. So all of a sudden you're starting to talk about eight to ten players. And there will be some that want to leave for more opportunity as well. So I just feel that the Dockers have just played the safe option here with Ballantyne to keep an extra player on their list that they know can play at the level. We had a debate, or not a debate, because we were both of the same view, but we couldn't understand why um, Hayden Ballantyne stayed in the team for last week and Brandon Matera went out, that 
the more I thought about it, particularly driving home post-game, Hayes, uh, I think clearly they just think that they need some of that leadership in the forward line, don't they, with Hayden Ballantyne, an old head. Um, you know what you're going to get with him, but just that, that leadership as much as anything else. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think it's a it's a signal that's been sent to Matera as well to say, we're not going to put up with what you've delivered this year. We're not going to let you go into the off-season feeling good about yourself. We want you to come back hungry, ready to be a good player in the AFL system next year because it hasn't really worked in regards to getting him across last year. It hasn't had a big impact. How big a deal is it that... Uh Brad Lloyd is leaving when he is, considering he is uh, in charge of looking after the list. He's, he's, in all essence, not far away from his grand final. This is when he needs to do his work, delist, re-sign, and then go to the draft and try and build the list for the future. And all of a sudden, he's gone right as we approach that period. Yeah, I don't think it's a one-man job, though. I think they do have a bit of a committee that's put together that would be across all the discussions that are going on. You've got the national recruiting manager that can step in. It'll be interesting to see how they replace this role, but I'm not unhappy. I think he's been okay as a recruiter. I think he struggled in his first five to six years. He's improved the last four years with some of the kids that he's picked up recently. But I think in the football club, you need to transition, make change, get a fresh eye in there and give somebody else an opportunity. Yeah, I agree with you with that. I think it's important to turn things over, keep fresh eyes looking over things. Unless uh, that guy's a star, mm. but I wouldn't say he's a star. I don't think, you, well, you can't say he's a star given where their list is at right now. No, I tend to agree with you. Uh, Paul Hayes will be there on the Frio Focus. A lot more to come when we come back. Some uh, some sporting news, uh, a lot going on in the EPL, some big news for basketball here in Australia. We'll discuss that next on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. And there's plenty going on in the world of sport as well. And uh, good news for basketball here in Australia today and those who like the game of hoops, Hayes, because the NBL have finally got a free-to-air television deal signed for the upcoming season. Channel 9 will screen two live NBL games each week as part of a three-year partnership with the league. So 9 will show the live games on Saturday and Sunday at 3 p.m. on 9 Go, which is their... Their second channel, while Fox Sports will continue to show every game live of the NBL. Now, this was something I was really big on. They needed a free-to-air deal, and uh, they've been able to get one done through the agency of their chairman, Larry Kesselman. It's back, isn't it, the NBL? I remember growing up back in the 90s. It is back. It's back. I can tell you, you can feel it building the the contract signing of Andrew Bogue of the Sydney Kings. That's the last link. The Sydney Kings being successful in that big market there in New South Wales, that's going to take it to new heights. But I remember growing up watching James Crawford and Mm. Ricky Grace. Alabama Slammer. Andrew Vlahoff, Eric Watterson, all these sort of guys. (laughs) It was a great time, and I think it is coming back. And it's great to see all different sports having some good moments Mm. on uh, free-to-air television at the moment. We've seen the emergence of netball this year. It's been fantastic. But basketball, that is the sleeping giant. We all love to play basketball. Kids do. You watch a lot of NBA basketball and we're now starting to attract the very best to our own competition. But that's exactly my point, Hayes, is I think the greatest challenge facing the NBL is that a lot of the younger generation, so Gen Y, they love the NBA, right? So they, they, they do love their basketball. So it's a little bit of a blessing and a curse. They love the basketball, but they can also jump on their computer, their iPad, their phone, and watch the NBA. So why, when they can watch LeBron James and Lonzo Ball and Devin Booker and Steph Curry, uh, all of those guys, as simply as flicking on their phone, are they going to go and watch the NBL? That is the biggest question and the biggest challenge that faces the NBL at the moment. How do they get those guys to become invested and interested in their competition 
and, and it is a significant challenge when it's so easy to watch the very best in the world. Well, now that it's on free to air, that makes it easy. And I think if you are a lover of basketball and you have an affinity with a club and, and also a state, then I think they'll be more likely to watch it going forward. But it is the same challenge that faces the A League as well. So you mm. remember they had the um, the promotional campaign. You've got to have a team, and the reason being that they conducted a lot of research into. Um, soccer fans or football fans in Australia, and a lot of people play the sport, like the sport, but they don't follow an A-League team. They watch the EPL or they follow their team in Europe, but they don't go and they don't really have a strong affinity to a to a local side. What do you think is greater, the standard between A-League and EPL or the standard mm-hmm. between NBL and NBA? Which one do you think is greater? I would say that it's closer with the basketball, that I don't think our teams are that far behind a lot of the American teams. And we've seen that bridge has been narrowed. The gap's Mm. been narrowed, certainly, in recent times with some of the contests we've seen. They're both big golfs, but uh, I think the uh, the basketball one is a little narrower. I think you're right. If if an APR... I know Chelsea came to town and beat Mm. Perth Glory 1-0, but... Nine uh, times out of ten, that would have been more. That could have been a lot, lot more. And Chelsea were really going through the motions, but... uh, yeah, I, th- I think the basketball is a little bit closer, but there you go. We should be winning a, a bronze medal or at least a medal at the next uh, Commonwealth Games or the next Olympics. And we are building with the likes of Ben Simmons as a part of our team. Are we playing the Philippines? Uh, I wouldn't have thought so, Hayes. The relation's not so good there. Uh, we've got to get to a break here on Off the Bench. Still a heap more to come. We'll check in on the local footy, the weighted tipping game, and a heap more. You're listening to Off the Bench. And something we introduced last week here on Off the Bench is Paul Hazelby's top five. Last week you went for your top five rivalries in the game of Australian rules football at AFL level. Uh, I really like the idea. I can't wait until we get to your top five sporting movies or something of the like. I, I love my sporting movies. But today, on the back of David Mundy re-signing for the Fremantle Dockers along with Benel and Ballantyne, which we spoke about a little bit earlier, you've got your top five Fremantle Dockers of all time. And maybe Aaron Sandland's recommitting. There's mm. talk that he may do a deal next year, which involves some coaching and more of a part-time playing role. I don't mind that because I think he's got a lot to offer as a ruck coach to some of these younger players. But what I didn't want to see with Sandlands was him taking the place of Sean Darcy. So a good decision. We wait to see whether that will come to fruition. Now, I couldn't get myself in the top five, Ben. I'm outside the <laughs> top five, unfortunately. But So I've you've got... fabricated your top five. No, no, I'm not in the top five. There's others that have gone past, had longer careers, better careers. And at number five, I have the tallest man in the AFL, Aaron Sandlands. What a career. Three-time or maybe four-time All-Australian now. Longevity over 250 games. He's a unique player. He's been pretty special. At number four, the guy that re-signed this week, David Mundy. Terrific player, so consistent. Done a number of roles. He started in the back line, went to the midfield. He's finishing his career in the forward line. And he's always had this ability to use the ball so well. He's got time and space. Next year will play 300 games. Only Matthew Pavlich has played more. At number three... I've got Peter Bell. Mm. Now, the little Korean was outstanding. I don't think I've seen a player more consistent than Peter Bell. Every week he played well. He would get tags. He used the ball well going inside 50. He ran hard, and he was a big moment player as well. I'm fairly sure, and I only know this because Peter tells me very regularly if we catch up, that I think he had a 12-year period where he finished in the top three of the best and fairest, both at North and then at the Fremantle Dockers, which is a... A fair old effort, isn't it? Absolutely. And at this stage, he is the only Hall of Fame member mm. of the AFL from the Dockers. At number two, I think he's gone past him. His higher 
highest level is better than anybody at the football club. I'm talking about Nathan Fife. He's obviously got a Brownlow medal. When he's fit and firing, there's no one better in the competition. At number one, though, is Matthew Pavlich, of course, for his longevity, what he did, his ability to play different positions. He was All-Australian in the back line, in the midfield, and also in the forward line. He was a very rare player, and again, another one that stood up in the big moments. Never got the premiership. Fife still gets that opportunity, but I think when it's all said and done, if Fife does play 250 games or more, which he should, mm. I think he will go past Matthew Pavlich as the greatest player to play for Fremantle. I think of that uh, that final against Geelong in which Pavlich kicked mm. six goals. He was unstoppable on that day. He was just phenomenal. Hey, I've got my top five, Hayes. Not that anyone cares, and this isn't all that serious, but I like Peter Bell. I just remember him in the mid to early 2000s carving it up. Matthew Pavlich provided so much joy Justin Longmuir was a favourite of mine, kicked the uh, the goal after the siren. Clive Waterhouse, I couldn't have Clive the Drive not in there. Clive the Glide, sorry. Clive uh, the Dive. Clive is a legend, so Clive's got to be in there. And number one, the Prince of the Pocket, Scotty Chisholm, my all-time favourite docker, is in there. My good mate, who some of our friends will know, Corbin Middlemass, he was, uh, Scott Chisholm was his favourite docker as well when he was a kid. Actually went to Fremantle training with an invite and invited him to his sixth birthday party at Hungry Jacks. And Scotty RSVP'd, said he was intending to come, but unfortunately had to call up. Couldn't make it, Scotty, but had the decency to call up and say, and RSVP. And that's good, Ben, but no no, Paul Hazelby on that list. I uh, named a few players that <laughs> maybe I thought I could get past, but is that the end of our friendship? You've just missed out. Sorry, Paul. You're Top a fantastic 10, maybe? player. Top 10. Justin top, top ten radio co-hosts you've ever worked with. Yeah, you're on the top. You're on the podium for that, Paul. Great <laughs> job. Uh, we've got more to come. We'll check in on the country footy next. You're listening to Off the Bench. You certainly are, and as we like to do at this time, Paul Hazelby, we check in on some of the local country footy that is taking place around the place. And Joe Georgiades is uh, held up in meetings, our regular, but. Brent Sheridan, the operations manager who is right across the Southwest Footy League, has been good enough to join us here on Off the Bench for this Friday afternoon. G'day, Brent. Hi, Ben. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Where are we at as we approach the finals in uh, a lot of the footy competitions across the Southwest? Oh, it's pretty, depending where you are in the state, mate, you're either entering the last couple of weeks of home and away fixtures, or you're well and truly entrenched in the finals. Um, obviously looking ahead to the main decider. I think Central Wheatbelt decider is next weekend, and we've already had a couple of grand finals run and won around the state. Who's going to take them out? Who's the favourites to win the premiership this year in your mind? In my mind, depends where you look. Donnybrook down in the southwest is currently sitting at the top of the tree. Two home and away games to go, and um, all looks like points towards them finishing on top, which will be a great impetus for them heading into finals. Bow Divers and South Mandra in the Peel Football League, um, for mine, are pretty two, two teams that will be pretty hard to beat um, if they make it through to the end of um, end of the well, main season, I suppose you should say. Pinjarra, though, are the main threat. You look at some of the names in that line-up. Rowan Kerr, again, on the weekend was outstanding as he gets back to full fitness. So they're going to be hard to beat Pinjarra heading into the finals. Um, down in Ongarup, um, New Angarup are really uh, travelling well, finished on top of the table. They'll face Boxwood Hills this weekend in the second semi to see who progresses through to the decider. 
And in Albany, we've got um, Railways, who have been the team to beat all season, looking like they'll finish on top and and face North Albany in that second semi-final if all goes to plan for the red and whites heading into finals. It's that time of year where we get some individual accolades. The medal count start, and you've already had a couple down there in the southwest. A couple in the southern part of the state, yes, Hayes. We've had Central Wheatbelt had their um, semi-final day on Saturday just gone, and Robert Rout from Corder, um, they had their medal night afterwards, um, ran out um, victorious in the Jeffries medal out there. Uh, he's been a West Coast Poly player of the week previously for us, so great to see Robert get across the line. Also down in Esperance, Brendan White, who was part of the regional All-Stars side at the recent Landmark Country Champs, he took out the clean sweep of the leading goal kicking, the player of the year, um, as voted by the presidents, and also the Hepburn medal um, for the Esperance District Football Association, first and best. What about across some of those competitions? Do you have any younger players that you think might make an impact next year in the waffle competition or potentially could go further to the AFL? Uh, we do. We've had a, uh, yeah, we have a country cults program that runs at the start of the season uh, that really looks to identify the next batch of kids that are going to progress into a waffle cults competition. Um, in particular, last year we had guys around the mix that have gone on to play State 18 football like Tom Baldwin this year from the Claremont Football Club and Tyron Smallwood, um, who's part of the state combine, or national combine, I should say. He's been good, this hasn't year, he, for Claremont? The, he's been fan, fantastic. I'd envisage if he's not getting a league berth this week, he wouldn't be too far away. Um, I know they really, uh, they really fancy the way he goes about his footy down there and he's been, since his step up into senior footy at reserves level, he's been fantastic as well. So um, great to see the country kids coming on through. Brent, really appreciate your time. Thanks for bringing us up to date with all of the footy going on down there in the southwest. Anytime, gents. Thanks very much. There is uh, Brent Sheridan, the operations manager right across the southwest footy league. We'll get to a break on the other side. Paul Hazelby, the weighted tipping game. Let's get it next. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we're wrapping it up on this Friday afternoon. Paul Hazelby has one foot out the door and on his way to the pub on this Friday. Paul Hazelby, though, we've got to get stuck into our weighted tipping game. Now, last week, you scored 12 out of 15 points. Uh, You got two games wrong. You got uh, North Melbourne and Melbourne wrong, uh, which was your two and your one. I got one game wrong, which was North Melbourne, which I gave my one point. So I scored 14. You scored 12 which unbelievably leaves us locked on 37 out of a possible 45 through three weeks of the weighted tipping game. This isn't like one of those EJ mm. Witten legends game, is it, where the score's <laughs> always close because one team gets out in front, the other one comes back, they try a bit harder. Do we want it to be close? or? Well, no, it? I'd like to blow you away. I'm going to blow a... you away this week. I've got a good pick of teams this week. Unfortunately, we are, or fortunately, we are level, so that's where we stand at the moment. As we uh, we launch into the weighted tipping game for the uninitiated, five points, four points, three points, two and one, you assign them to the game with which you are most confident. So, Paul Hazelby, you can start us off. Five I'm giving to Geelong Football Club. They take on the Dockers down there. They've lost their last couple, Geelong, but they need to win this one. I think they will. They won't blow them away. I think the Dockers will show some resistance, but they will get the win down there at the Cattery. I'm the same. I'm going for Geelong over the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, with my four, this game is not that easy. It does become a little bit difficult at times, but 
My four, I'll go for Hawthorne to beat St Kilda. I think they're a rabble, the Saints. I think they're a rabble too, and I don't think they're playing for their coach, so they will put in another poor performance, and the Hawks will win. Okay, with my three, and not with a, a great deal of confidence, but I'll go for Collingwood to beat Port Adelaide. Oh, wow, that's a big one. I'm mm. going for the Western Bulldogs to beat the team that they're playing, which is Carlton, who are very, very average at the moment too. That's who I'm giving my two points to, so the Western Bulldogs over Carlton. Uh, who are you giving your two? Wow, I'm going for a team that's only won four games. They're playing against another team that's only won four games. It's the mm. Q Clash. I think Brisbane can get it done, get it done well. Not very happy with how Gold Coast are going at the moment, but there's a little bit more in this, given Mm. the comments from Nick Robinson earlier in the week. But Brisbane. Okay, I'm going with my one to the Brisbane Lions over the Gold Coast Suns. Where are you headed? I'm going with Adelaide to Mm. beat North Melbourne. Looked at a few other games. It's not easy, but I think Adelaide at home, pressure now off. They might just play some footy. Uh, They get McGovern back into the team. Taylor Walker goes out. Don't think he's had a big season this year. I'm going to stick with Adelaide. I'm doing that game on the weekend, so I look forward to seeing how it plays out. Hopefully it is a, a close one. Paul Hazelby, we're, we've fast run out of time here on Off the Bench. Uh, what's on for the weekend for you? Well, Sportsman's Night tonight down there at North Fremantle, so I've got to go and entertain a few guests with Carl Langan, my co-host on Sports Day here in the metro area. And then I've got the footy on Sunday. Big game, looking forward to that, the West Coast Eagles and Melbourne. Other than that, just going to enjoy my weekend off. Yeah, me too. Uh, a nice, quiet Saturday. I'll watch Collingwood and Port Adelaide and do a few other things as well. But right now, we're over and out, Paul. Have a great weekend. You too, wherever and however you're spending it. And we'll see you next Friday afternoon here on Off the Bench around WA. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.